0: Scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke. I'll be reading from chapter 19, beginning at verse 28, down through verse 40. After Jesus said this, he continued on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As Jesus came to Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task, Go into a village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. Now, here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Anytime a story gets mentioned in all four of the Gospels from the Bible, that is a very big biblical deal. This Palm Sunday story is featured in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Luke's Palm Sunday that we just read is, well, disappointingly palmless. Did you notice that? Calling it Cloaks on the Cult Sunday just never really took off. (laughs) Nevertheless, this story shows up in all four Gospels. The young cult, the shouting crowds, coats and cloaks spread like carpet on the road, and in the other three Gospels, palm branches. Christmas, by the way, didn't make it in all four Gospels. Two Gospels make no mention of Mary with child seeking room at the inn, or the shepherds watching their flocks by night or the angels, or the star, or the wise men, or the babe in the manger. Even Christmas only makes it into of the four Gospels, but Palm Sunday, well, I've told you, all four. You know what else didn't make it into all four Gospels, as important as it is? The Lord's Prayer. The very prayer that Jesus taught His followers, the prayer that the Christian Church has recited over the course of more than two thousand years together in worship. The prayer that gets recited in adobe huts in Africa and in the breathtaking cathedrals in Europe and all across America. The prayer recited by Orthodox and Catholic Pentecostals and Protestants alike. Jesus' very own prayer. It is not included in all four Gospels. It only made the cut in two The life-changing parable of the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son. What would Christianity be apart from these bedrocks of Christian teaching? I mean, these parables appear only in one of the four Gospels. The Beatitudes, I mean, the most concise summary of Jesus' important teachings. You know, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor. It only makes it in two of the four Gospels. But good old Palm Sunday made it into all four. And this causes me to wonder about something for years. I I wonder if we've had something all wrong. Most Christians, we regard Pentecost Sunday as the start of the church. You know, the church's birthday. Some churches even eat cake. I always lie before it on that day. The day that the church was, was born, you know, with flaming tongues of fire and the power of the Spirit becomes a reality. You know, that's the church's birthday. But honestly, I've never been quite so sure. I wonder if Palm Sunday isn't the church's real birthday. The day that Jesus' followers grew up. The day that they assumed their roles as witnesses to the vision of God's kingdom as it is in heaven, coming to be a way of life here on this earth. It is the day Jesus' followers certainly stepped out into the world onto a stage where all could see, and they stepped into roles where the courage of their convictions were on full display. Let's rewind a bit and get the scene set in our minds I would imagine the ancient city of Jerusalem during Passover would be similar to a university town. You folks know how that is. When it is hosting a major, let's say, sporting event with multiple teams, maybe a tournament, Maybe just a wildly popular football game, who knows? But the city swells with visitors from all over. The city has more life, more buzz to it. There is excitement in the air. Every possible room is full at the hotels and at premium prices. Stores buy a little extra inventory in anticipation. Many people are outside walking the streets, at least the main ones. The visitors and out-of-town people are easily identified by their clothing, rooting for the wrong team and all. Their manners and maybe even their accents, have you ever noticed? Certainly they're easily noticed by the extra bags hanging on their shoulders, loading in and out of their cars, by the way they walk around taking things in as if it were the first time because it probably was one of the first times in a new town, at least a new town To those outsiders. The atmosphere in Jerusalem was tingling with excitement. The whole world, you see, had come to Jerusalem. One could not breathe without feeling the weight of anticipation in the air. In order to keep the peace, Roman soldiers, helmets and armor shining in the sun, riding atop world-class horses, were making their rounds up and down the streets and the alleys But up until this day, up until this Palm Sunday, the very first Palm Sunday, Jesus' followers had largely been just that, passive followers. Sure, they had hiked all over Palestine trying to keep Jesus in, in their line of sight, but that was just it. They'd been watching, they'd been following safely behind, looking on. They looked on when he argued with the city officials. They looked on when he argued with the religious officials, but that's it. They, they just looked on. They probably got a little tense and safely kept their distance. When he had a full-blown conversation in public with a, a woman and from Samaria, they cringed but they safely kept just a bit of distance so as not to be also incriminated by appearances. And when Jesus intentionally broke the Sabbath laws they wanted to run away and hide but at least they compromised and found their way to the edges of the crowds that surrounded him and blended in just enough so as not to be blamed for his wild behavior. When he stood up and proclaimed in full voice that the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, and the rich shall be poor. Their eyes darted around at lightning speed to see who was listening and if they'd been marked dangerous people, just like he had been by these kinds of wild proclamations. And when Jesus kissed the lepers and healed those with various kinds of ailments, they whispered quietly, but in awe, You see, up until this first Palm Sunday, the followers of Jesus, they had been passive. But on Palm Sunday, the very day that we celebrate today, a transformation begins. A seismic shift happens even as they go and borrow the young colt. Their courage is starting to find new legs These followers begin to assume the role of leaders. They're now participating. They're walking out into the middle of a world stage in the middle of this capital city during a great annual festival. And for the first time since these followers have known Jesus, they're taking up active, assertive roles as courageous people of conviction, as a people now who are not passive, but a people now who are active. And as Jesus and his band of followers enter the city, uh, the Roman soldiers, they come close to investigate the source of all of this noise and fussing. And with them, these soldiers bring snorting powerful steeds, armor gleaming in the sun, sharp, flashy swords, and giant banners bearing Caesar's image, Caesar's proud commanding image. And serving as a contrast against this display of power and authority, this little band of Jesus followers stage a street drama announcing this extremely controversial, even politically charged message. Their hearts, their allegiance, their lives belong not to Caesar, not to To the emperor of Rome, nor to any who pretend to be God, but their hearts, their allegiance, their lives belong to Jesus who calls himself the Prince of Peace. Right there in the middle of the streets of Jerusalem, right in front of God and everybody, they make this announcement, their loyalty is not to an uneasy peace achieved by force and military might, but to a peace to which all are invited, but never coerced. A peace which emanates from the very heart of God. A peace that we're told surpasses all human understanding. And Palm Sunday, dear ones, is the day they could hold all of this in no longer. Palm Sunday is the day that they shout in public that they belong to God and not to Caesar. Now you have to understand this. This is the single most dangerous and political act they could have possibly participated in. You see, for the past three years, from the day Jesus found them fishing and called on them to drop their nets and followed him, up to this very moment, the commitment to follow Jesus had been personal. It had been private, with most of the talks happening with them quietly around campfires or off the beaten trail. But on this Palm Sunday, the commitment to follow Jesus shifted from private to public and from personal to political. And I can just imagine the vast majority of nice upstanding religious folks talking about this later after church at home. I mean, I can see their point, you know. But they're hurting their message by being so out there with it. They're setting back progress by pushing for progress too quickly. They're acting like agitators, not good church people. Besides, talking about all that's wrong with the world we live in just isn't very positive or pleasant. Doesn't get a lot of likes on Facebook. Palm Sunday shows up in all four Gospels because this day is the day that the followers of Jesus become courageous people of their convictions. They become actively engaged and begin to lead in bringing in a better world into this present reality they live in. It is the day that the church comes out of the closet. Palm Sunday is the day the church finally becomes the church. And distances itself from the state and from ill-gotten gain and from worldly power. Palm Sunday is the day, the moment, the hour that they definitively denounce all loyalty and allegiance to every prince and state and nation. And they swear that they will be doers of all that Jesus taught them up to this point, And move from becoming passive followers to actively engaged, courageous people of the conviction that Jesus is Lord. And if Jesus, for them, is Lord, then that means Caesar is not. And if Jesus is Lord, then Rome was not. And this is the day that we celebrate where the church becomes the church and is officially born. And my friends, this is the day we say to Jesus, should we decide to continue to follow him one day at a time? It's our time. Palm Sunday is where we say and we remind ourselves it's our turn. Jesus, you have taught us well. You have shown us what God looks like, and we will gladly take it from here. And indeed, friends, it is our turn. It is our turn to show the world what God looks like. It is our turn to show the world what love looks like. It is our turn not to tell, but to show what loving our enemies looks like, not in theory, but in real life. It is our turn, as people of faith, to rise above allegiance to any nation, for that matter, or partisan political party, and love our neighbors as ourselves, including those that are different from us, the alien, the immigrant, the stranger, the other. It is our turn, dear ones, to forgive the ones who have sinned against us and to offer forgiveness, not just once or twice, not just seven times but 70 times seven times it's time to show the world to make our announcement we declare things will be different now because we are not passive followers we are actively engaged in a world saturated by violence dear ones it is now our turn to show the world starting with our own families and friends our own neighbors and co-workers and colleagues. It's time to show what it looks like to follow the Prince of Peace actively, openly, to turn the other cheek. It's time. Palm Sunday says, it's time. It is scary to think about bold actions like these because they will undoubtedly draw attention to ourselves and they undoubtedly will not be easy. The cost may indeed be too much for some of us. It may cost us something to live life with such reckless grace and love? That's for sure. It was on Palm Sunday when the followers of Jesus began to understand just how costly and just how risky the Christian life truly is. It takes a great deal of courage to stand in the center of a city and to say, God loves everyone, including all of you people's enemies and mine including the people you say are unworthy. God loves everyone. God's reign is here, and we are called to love everyone too. And we declare on God's behalf that power does not come to those who seek to take it for themselves, but power is made perfect in sacrificial love. We declare that justice is God's desire, that equality is god's dream for all and that we are here to work together to sweat together to cry together to laugh together if need be until that dream of god's becomes a present reality oh friends i submit to you that Palm Sunday has a place of pride in all four Gospels because this is the day the church found its feet and found its voice and publicly professed allegiance to the Prince of Peace. For it is one thing to say that we share a vision for a better world when it's just us chickens. It is another thing to not only say it publicly, but to declare it by our actions that we indeed not only hold in our hearts a vision for a more just, a more loving, a more peaceful world. But we are willing to work for it, to sweat for it, to sacrifice for that kind of world, including working within the systems we've been given to to craft laws and practices that benefit the least, the last, the lost The gospel demands a rebuke of the powers that work in this world to maintain the status quo. As followers of Jesus, are we willing to take some heat for proclaiming this more excellent way that we have come to know and to love? The question before us, for those willing to wrestle with it on this Palm Sunday, is... Will we renew our commitment to be actively engaged leaders in this movement for unconditional love? If so, Palm Sunday can have a place of pride not only in all the four Gospels, but in this chapter of history, in this chapter of our lives together. Because, my friends, it was on Palm Sunday, it was today, that the church was truly born. It wasn't in the wind and in the fires of Pentecost. But dear ones, a movement was born on Palm Sunday in the strength and in the courage of the convictions Jesus had ingrained in their hearts. May we too have the boldness to give birth to a better world, a more loving, a more peace-filled, a more just world. I sense God is doing a new thing in our own day right now, even in this community and beyond. May we have the strength and the courage to share the convictions Jesus has shared with us. Amen.